0: Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh.
1: Perfection. The idea of reaching perfection in your particular craft or whatever it is that you do. One of the reasons we appreciate it so much when we see it is because it is so rare. It's an amazing thing.
0: Have you ever seen a pitcher throw a perfect game in baseball? How about a perfect game in Bowling. Those types of events are rare because of the difficulty it takes to achieve perfection. But what about the Christian life? Is it possible to live a perfect life as a follower of Jesus Christ? The answer may surprise you. To reach perfection in your walk with Christ, to reach completeness, to experience
1: and enjoy all that it means to walk in Christ. I believe that Peter tells us today that that is exactly what is possible for our lives.
0: Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. This week, we start our study of the book of 2 Peter. It's part of our overall series, Building on the Basics, a study of the majority of books in the New Testament that make up what is referred to as the general letters of the New Testament. In both First and Second Peter, we are building on the basic of hope. In his second letter, the Apostle Peter is nearing the end of his life, and he opens his letter by reminding followers of Jesus that there is a sort of partnership between God and His children.
1: It's not partnership in the sense of equality, but it is partnership in the sense of uh, responsibility, right? This life God wants you to have. How do we achieve it? Well, part of that answer is going to come next week, but part of it comes today in understanding what are God's responsibilities, what does God take on And then
0: what do we have to do? As Pastor Clay is going to explain in today's message, God does his part in providing salvation for us and what we need for this life. But as we'll hear today, God has some expectations on our part that will give us the life we're meant to have. In fact, Peter says, as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Exactly what that means and doesn't mean is the topic for today's message. We're glad you've joined us. Now here's Pastor Clay.
1: An amazing thing, to see someone reach a level of absolute perfection. Well, what about the Christian life? Is it possible to reach a level of absolute perfection? In, don't answer too soon. Is it possible to reach a level of absolute perfection as a follower of Jesus Christ. The answer to this may surprise you. Okay. <laughs> All right, I can't handle it. No, no. I, as I understand Scripture, I do not believe that you and I, as I understand what, what God's Word teaches, I do not believe that you and I will ever reach a level of, of absolute sinlessness in our life this side of eternity. So in that sense, I do not believe that, that perfection can be achieved because we are sinful creatures. Uh, we have a relationship with God, and I'll talk about that some of that day and how that changes that. But still, we live in, this, in, this, in a, in a sin-cursed, uh, uh, sin-saturated world. We are tempted. We know we give in. We, so uh, sin is a reality of our lives, is it not? Now, hopefully... As we mature, as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, hopefully we we sin less. But the idea of sinless perfection, this side of eternity, I do not believe can be achieved. However, is it possible for you, if you're here as your follower of Jesus Christ, is it possible for you to uh, reach... Uh, or live a, a Christian life in such a way that you're continually growing in it, you're continually moving forward in that life, that you are uh, more and more in your life learning or experiencing God's peace, God's joy, God's contentment, God's fulfillment, God's purposes for your life? Is it possible to live a life where, where you start on that path and you keep moving on that path? Is it possible that you, that, that, that you are, if you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have what you need and that you can, can move forward in, in perfection or completeness in your relationship with Jesus Christ all the rest of the days of your life, well, however long that is, Right? 51 or 81 or 101 or or whatever it is, that all the days of your life you can continue to move forward and progress in this walk with Jesus Christ in that sense to to, 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 to reach perfection in your walk with Christ, to reach completeness, to experience and enjoy all that it means to walk in Christ. I believe that Peter tells us today that that is exactly what is possible for our lives. Open your Bibles, if you brought a copy with you, electronic, hard copy, whatever the case may be, to Second Peter. We are building on the basics, and Peter is, refer, is, is teaching us the basic of hope. Where is our hope found? How do we live in this hope? How do, how do we have a continual idea of, of hope? What is our hope for our future Peter is building on the basic of hope for our lives. Second Peter chapter one. We're going to look at verse one through eleven. Now, if you happen to be a note taker, have you noticed the back of your your uh, outline sheet or the, your information sheet today? Well, there's a lot of blanks, <laughs> a lot of blanks back there. Take it easy. We're not going to cover them all today. And and as I, I say this from time to time, if you're not a note taker, fine. Listen, just just take in what what God speaks into your heart and life today. But uh, a lot of people tell me that they enjoy taking notes because it helps them stay kind of focused and keeps them from getting distracted and they're able to take something home with them and hopefully use during their study during the week and all of those kind of things. Second Peter chapter 1. Thanks for being here today. Well, just, just listen to what he says. Starting in verse 1. Here we go. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Father, uh, today as we open up Second uh, Peter, we've been walking our way uh, through the uh, the general letters of the New Testament and uh, having wrapped up James and First and Peter, now we move into Second Peter. It's uh, it's a time that things have changed in Peter's life. He's, he's close, as we're going to see uh, in the coming weeks. He's close to death, and he seems to know it. You seem to have revealed it. Uh, to him, and so he's trying to uh, perhaps even more uh, emphasize uh, to those who will still be here, uh, those disciples who would come after him, to emphasize exactly all that we have, can have, and and should do in our lives. Father, I'm amazed. I was talking to a, another pastor the other day and just discussing the idea of the general letters and how it's just amazing, uh, Father, it seems to me that whether we're talking about James or, or Peter or John or, or, or Jude, it's, just, it's like they, they keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. They may say it in different ways, uh, but really the same truth is being communicated to us. And I confess, Father, I guess that's because a lot of times we're pretty hard-headed and it doesn't sink in right away or doesn't sink in like it should. Sometimes I I fear that I sound like a broken record when I repeat the same truths over and over and over again. At least it seems that way to me. But it's your word, and it's what you have to say, and you have your reasons for emphasizing these truths as you do again and again and again. There are men and women in this room today or who listen or watch this message who have struggles in their life. They have issues. They have places they feel defeated. There are men and women, perhaps, uh, who are uncertain about their salvation, their eternal destiny, or about how to uh, achieve this, this life of peace and purpose and joy and all these things. Uh, today, would you speak in and through uh, your messenger boy and uh, speak truth to the heart of every person who will hear this message It's amazing, Holy Spirit, how you apply it in different ways to different people's lives. People can be in two totally different uh, places life-wise, but yet your word makes application for their specific need. Uh, It's part of the power of your word, and I pray that it would have its effect today in all of our lives. That's our prayer, and everybody said, amen, amen. I'm going to I'm going to use a term here as we get started that's going to sound perhaps a little or should sound a little odd to you, but stay with me. There is a sense in which you and I are in a partnership with God. Nobody reacted. Nobody started throwing anything or whatever. Theologically, there's in a sense there could be a problem with that, right? Listen, not partners. Uh, the, the the reason partner is probably not is not the best word to use is that it infers an equality. And we are not equal with God. God loves us. He's adopted us into his family and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, but I'm saying we are not God. We are not gods. We will not become gods. So it's, it's not partnership in the sense of equality. But it is partnership, in the, you could say, in the sense of uh, responsibilities. Right? We talk a lot about it. I talk a lot about this life God wants you to have. Begins with a relationship with him and it, and it continues the rest of your life and all those things that we talked about peace and joy and contentment and fulfillment and purpose all those things that I think all of You are looking for in life, whether you're still in in uh, high school or college or middle school And you're looking forward to you know your future and your career and all that stuff or whether you're in the middle of it Or whether you're towards the end of it however much time any of us have we want our life to count for something Am, am I wrong in that? We want to think that it's mattered. We want to have peace. We want to have joy We want to have all those things ...in our lives. God promises that we can have them. There's a good book about that. <laughs> y'all might want to pick up by a rather unknown author... ...but still, I get it. Discovering how to really live in the promises of God. I'm just saying, that's a book y'all might want to check out. But, so God promises that we can have these things, right? This, this life... So, how do we achieve it? Well, part of that answer is going to come next week, but part of it comes today. in understanding in this, again, to use this term, in this partnership, what are God's responsibilities? What does God take on to make sure we have this, this life of joy, contentment, peace, all this stuff? What does God do so that we can have it? And then what do we have to do to have it? What What is it that God, right? Because, let's face it, right? If God wanted... It, as God, I believe, wants us to all be—again, uh, that's not a good term—but to be super Christians, to get it always right, to have joy, and contentment, peace, all that kind of stuff in life. God could just zap you, right? He could say, "You're super Christian." I mean, he could do that, right? He's God, and you'd make every right decision, and you'd and you'd always love everybody, and you'd never fight with your spouse, and you'd you know uh, be this super patient person with your kids and your co-worker. Uh, I mean, God could do that. He's, he's God. But he doesn't do that, and so there must be purpose uh, in the struggle. There must be purpose in the pain that sometimes comes with that. And included in that is this responsibility that you and I have to meet God in this purpose and plan that he has for our life. Today, we're going to look at the part God does, and then next week, we're going to look at the part that we do and, um, and see where that leaves us. So, I'm going to start with this idea uh, this morning, let's talk about God's provision, God's provision for our, our lives. Now, Peter starts out. I don't guess I won't read verse one through three again. Just read it. But Peter starts out uh, first off with this, with this, this welcome, this, uh, this, this welcome, this greeting to the people that he's writing to. That that's not. Uh, unusual. You'll see that in almost all the New Testament letters. We'll start out with some type of greeting. You do it if you write a letter to somebody or an email. You know, you, you'd say, you know, dear John or, you know, how's it going, Frank, or, you know, whatever the case may be. There's some sense of a greeting. Um, Peter's greeting is intended to convey uh, his, his sense of affection for them. And you pick that up, I think. I think you can see that Peter cares about these people. He gives a sense of affection. But Peter's greeting is also intended to teach us something theologically. He wants it to be of benefit to us theologically. And Peter starts right off the bat by referring to himself as a, what does he call himself? A bond servant. A bond servant. In essence, let me explain it to you. In essence, a a servant by choice. Uh, it, It literally can be translated as slave. Now, God has always been opposed to any type of forced uh, slavery. God has always been opposed to the idea that uh, one man could own another man or, you know, one people group could conquer another people group. And, and, and God has always been opposed to that thing. But within the the biblical uh, context of the nation of Israel, it was possible in those days for a Jew to enter into voluntarily servanthood servitude to another person Um, it it was it it was it was an opportunity for them to have a place to live for their family to have a place to live to have uh, food to eat um, all that sort of thing and so they would they would serve them sometimes it would be for an agreed period of time that they would they would do this and you have this old beautiful old testament picture of the year of jubilee and and debts being forgiven and slaves being set free and this picture really of what god has done uh, for us, but uh, within, within that context, a, a person who, who went into servitude to another person uh, became their, their, their servant. That they could, if they decided, you know what, this, th- this guy, he treats me well, he treats my family well, he provides for us what we need. Um, uh, everything I ever want is, is right here. Uh, I, I want to become a, a permanent bond servant of Tom. And there would be this ceremony and uh, they would pierce the ear of the, of the servant and an earring would be placed in their ear signifying that, that uh, Joe has voluntarily become a, a servant to Tom for the rest of his life. This is, this is a choice that he's made. This is what he wants to do. This is where he's, he's happy and where he's provided for and it's what he wants for his life. That's what Peter describes as himself. That's how he starts there. Peter says, that's me, a servant of the Lord God. And of Jesus Christ. I have voluntarily become a servant. To think of myself in that terms. To the Lord God. He is all that matters to me. What's interesting is that. Uh, you find the Apostle Paul opening almost all his letters. With that same phrase. James opens his letter. Refers to himself by that same name. Jude refers to himself. As that by that same name. John in the Revelation. Refers to himself by that same phrase you see a pattern here do you see this idea that the people of God should be thinking of themselves in the sense of of this man I'm a bond servant to the Lord God I'm voluntarily I want to come up under his his headship of my life that's really important to understand uh basic Christianity 101 is is what it means to know who's in charge and and who I want to lead lead my life and and direct my life but what I want you to really see is, as Peter gets into this, some things that he, that he points out. And it has to do with this provision that God has given to us. And, it, and, and it's the provision it starts with this provision. Let me bring it up here. The provision of salvation. It starts with this provision of salvation. I think in uh, verse 1, latter part of verse 1, "...those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours..." by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, stay with me. I know this is kind of technical, but Peter's telling us a couple of different things about this provision of salvation. Who provides salvation? God does. What is Peter telling us about it? Well, first off, here's what he's telling. He's telling us that it is a common salvation. Peter says the same salvation, the same faith that you have, is the same faith that I have. In other words, it hasn't modified, it hasn't adjusted, mine's not this and yours is that, it's not this way or that way, that there is this common faith that leads to salvation. And it is the faith that comes in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's the same for Peter, it's the same for you, it's the same for me, it's the same for anybody that would hope to be in a right relationship with God. It comes through this common faith. Now, it is true to say that really everybody has faith. There is a sense in which everybody has faith. I've talked to you about this before. Everybody operates in faith every day, whether they realize it or, or not. But in, in, the, in the realm of spiritual things, the, the Buddhist, by faith, believes that, that when his existence ceases, he or she will be reincarnated into something else. Hopefully something better than they were before. A better person or from a bug to a bird. I don't know. Something. Something. They're moving up, moving up the ladder, so to speak. By faith, they, they, they believe that, right? The Muslim terrorist that blows up or shoots innocent people does it because by faith, they believe that those actions will, will get him or her straight into uh, their, their concept, their idea of heaven they get they get to pass I mean they just straight in, which if you understand the the Muslim belief that's that it's an unsure thing whether Allah will accept you or not it depends on your good works, your bad works but if you if you blow somebody up, if you shoot somebody if you if you are involved in in jihad and holy war you you get to go straight in by faith they they choose to believe that right even the atheist by faith declares that there is no God because he or she cannot prove that God does not exist, and so they make a conscious choice, a faith choice, to simply declare that God does not exist because they cannot prove that God does not exist. It is an act of faith. So faith is something that's around us a lot, but the faith that leads to salvation is a faith provided by God to those who place their that faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it is a it is a common faith. There are not there are not multiple ways. There are not many ways. There is one way. That's what Je- at least that's what Jesus said. Look, you've seen this verse probably before. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can go to the Father except by me. That's it. Jesus said that, by the way. Not his followers. Jesus said that. Acts chapter 4. There is no way to be saved from the punishment of sin through anyone else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we can be saved. There is just one way. But what about about all the billions of people that have other... Uh, religious beliefs what about all the billions of people that that are that are heartfelt in their belief that are sincere in their belief that are diligent in practicing their religious uh, beliefs what about the billions of people who 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 have a belief system uh, that may not include Jesus but they have a religious belief system and they try to be nice to people and and all that kind of stuff Uh, are are you telling me that that God is just going to reject them even though that they've tried to be religious and and do the right thing and try to be sincere listen Listen, this is, this is, you know this is true. You can be the most sincere person in the world. And you can be sincerely wrong. I mean, you can. I, I've been watching this uh, new show on the History Channel. I don't know if any of y'all caught this, but it's called The Billion Dollar Wreck. Any of y'all seen this show? Okay, clearly popular. Billion Dollar Wreck. Well, after I get finished explaining this, you're going to like, when is that on? Uh, Billion Dollar Wreck is the story of this uh, treasure hunter... Uh, Martin Burrell or Burrell or something—I'm not sure how he pronounced his last name—but it's it's the story of Martin Burrell, this treasure hunter who found discovered the wreck of the uh, the RMS Republic. The RMS Republic was a White Star Line luxury cruise ship that sank off the coast of Nantucket in 1909. Right? Y'all can't wait to watch it now, right? <laughs> A few years before uh, Titanic. White Star Line, same thing. But it sank off the coast of Nantucket. Martin discovered the wreck. So he has salvage rights to the wreck. Through years of research, Martin has come to believe, absolutely convinced, that the Republic, when it went down, contained 150,000 American Eagle gold coins. Today's value would place it just north of one billion with a B dollars. He's convinced. There, there, there. And he is so convinced that it's there that he has convinced other people. He's gotten other people to believe what he believes. He's gotten other people to invest their lives in it. And, and listen, he it has cost him everything to do this. I mean, he is sold out. You hear know what I'm saying? He is sold out to this. He lost his wife because of it. He ended up in jail. It's a long story but uh he i mean he he believes this just as passionately he can believe it he's gotten others to invest millions of dollars and they're they're diving on the wreck now again and trying to find it because he's convinced now he knows where where the gold is which hull uh, compartment it's in in the hull and they've got to get down but it's in 250 feet of water and and so it's it's, the the show is following this line where they're going to find this gold and that's He absolutely, passionately, fervently, sincerely believes that the gold is at the bottom of the ocean. But here's the deal. All the sincerity in the world won't change the fact of whether it's there or not. It's either there or it's not there. And being sincere about it and being passionate about it and selling his life out to it and getting other people to believe the same thing that he believes doesn't change the reality that either the gold is there or the gold is not there. I don't know whether it's there or not. That's why I'm watching the show. But here's the point. <laughs> here's the point. People can believe as passionately about what they want to believe as, as, as anybody. They can sell their life out. They can invest everything. They can give their life for it. They can, they can give all their money. They can, they can give all of their time. They can and absolutely be convinced that, that, that what they believe is true. But it's either true or it's not. And all the fervency, all the sincerity in the world won't change one iota, whether it's true or whether it's not true. Well, well, can't that be said about Christians and Christianity? Absolutely. Absolutely, you can say the same thing about us. How sincerely we believe that Jesus lived, died, rose again. How sincerely we believe that doesn't make it true. It's only true if it's true. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not the sincerity of your belief system that, that makes it right or makes it wrong. It only matters whether it's true or it's not. And so whether you're talking about Christianity or, or, or Buddhism or atheism or, or whatever the case may be, you, you examine the evidence, you look at the, the uh, textual, the, the historical, uh, the empirical evidence, and you come to a determination. You say, this is what, I'm gonna, this is what I believe or this is who I believe in or, or this is whatever else. I, I, as I'm fond of saying, I'm going with the guy that rose from the dead. I'm going with that guy. That historically established truth to to base my life on. But it's not, in the end, it's either true or, or it's not. So, it's a common faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Here's another truth about this common salvation. It's an unearned salvation. Got to understand that as well. It's an unearned salvation. Um. You probably know this, uh, but in the last part of verse V, he says, look what he says. It says, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. By or through, it would be just as appropriate, by or through the righteousness, the salvation they just talked about before that, by the righteousness, through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is how salvation is obtained. It has nothing to do with how good you are, how good I am, or how much you show up for church or don't show up for church. You got to go to church. There's reasons for that, but that's not... Or how fervently you believe something or, or how, how much money you invest in something. All of that has nothing to do with it. it, 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 it listen, this is why they call it amazing grace. Because it's about what God did. What God has done for you. And it is unearned. Uh, look at, you, you've seen, maybe you've seen this verse, Ephesians chapter 2. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So that none of us can boast about it. Nobody's going to stand before God and say, well, God, I, I did this, and I, and I gave this much money, and I, I did that. That, that. None of that has anything to do with salvation. It is unearned, okay? All right, so, listen, here, here's where we go. Let me, let me give you some, uh, some application of this pretty quick here. Here's what you need to do. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I better cover the provision of power. That's the second one. Provision of power. Let's talk about the provision of power. Provision of salvation, provision of power. Right, so God gives me the salvation, now how do I operate in it? How do I live in it? How do I, how do, I do these things that God uh, has for my life? The provision of power. Um, in verse 3 it says, Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence, seeing that his divine power has granted to us. His divine power has granted to us. Here's what that means. It means, first off, that there is no substitute. Whether you're talking about your power, my power, the power of positive thinking, none of it is a substitute for the power of God operating in your life. There is no substitute for it. You must have it operating in your life. Here's why this is important. I've talked to people, I know this is true, i talk to people sometimes that genuinely want to live life the way God wants them to have it. But they try and do it in their own strength, in their own power. They try and be more at peace or try and create some kind of joy by manipulating their circumstances or or do whatever they, they have to do to try and get this. And that's not what it's about. It's not about you trying to be. It's about God's power working in and through your life. And I suspect that even as I'm saying that, there are some people listening to this that don't have a clue what I'm talking about when I talk about the power of God operating your life because you've never experienced it. Some of you have never experienced the power of God operating your life, probably. But when it is, it, it, it's, it's when it's when life begins to take on this whole new dimension. You begin to understand that His power, there's no substitute for it. No matter what you try and get in the world or do or whatever else, nothing else will do it. Second uh, truth that it means is this: there are no excuses. There are no excuses. What is it that He says? Seeing that his divine power has granted to us, what's that next word? Everything. Can y'all say that out loud? Everything. Can y'all shout that? Everything. Everything pertaining to life and Godness. Here it is. Here's what he's saying. Listen, here's this life, this life of God and this life that God wants you to have. God has provided everything you need to have that life. And if your life is characterized, listen, if your life is characterized by uh, anxiousness and worry and fear and doubt and uncertainty and, and you can't even remember the last time you had joy or peace or, or anything in your life, that, that if, if that characterizes your life, there is no excuse for it, none. And I'm sorry if that sounds harsh. But that is the reality of what God says through through the Apostle Peter. Hey, I've given you everything you need for this life I want you to have. Do you think I'd I'd tell you, throw this out there and say, Oh, you can have peace and joy, but not provide you with the power, the resources, with, with everything you need to have it? It's crazy. No, he won't do that. Everything that you need for his own glory and his own excellence. So... There's no substitute for it. There's no excuse not to have it. It's a matter of determining that you're going to have it. Let's let's look at it. Let's look at the application real quickly. Here's what you need to do. Going back to those two provisions God gives us. First, you need to settle your salvation. Settle your salvation. Settle your salvation. I know. I know that this is an issue for some people. The uncertainty of their salvation. The doubts about their salvation. I know that some people struggle with it because I I remember a time in my life when I struggled with it. I know that some people struggle with the idea: Am I saved? Am I not saved? I, did I did I mean it when I did this? Or you know, I know there are people that struggle with whether they are genuinely saved or not. Settle it. Settle it. 1 John 5.13 says this, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. We're going to get to the book of 1 John, of course, and, and we're talking about love, but it's amazing how much John lays out all these things. That here's what, here's, if, you're, if, you're, if you're genuinely saved, here's what you're going to see in your life. Here's what you're going to see in your life. Peter's doing the same thing. James did the same thing. But it's, here's what you're going to see in your life. I, I, don't, I don't know everything, but this I know. God doesn't want you to wish... God doesn't want you to wonder. God doesn't want you to think that you are saved. God wants you to know his salvation. He wants you to know that you are saved. In some cases, that may mean beginning with an understanding that I'm not saved and I need to give my truly give my life to Jesus Christ. And for some of you here, it may actually mean that, that, that I need to settle that issue, determine that, that I really haven't accepted Christ as my Savior, and I need to do that. So some of you may be going to that point for others it may just be clarifying the decision you made and things you've let maybe come into your life and how these but the point is you got you just got to settle it man you, you just got to settle it if you struggle with your salvation if you struggle with uncertainty about your salvation if if even today you're listening to this you're sitting here you're thinking jeez, man right but but what, do, what what do people say what what do people think if i suddenly get saved who gives a rip who gives a rip what other people think? You, you're, you're telling me you're going to gamble your eternal destiny on whether somebody's going to talk about you if you make a decision to receive Christ because you're you're struggling with it and you're uncertain about it? One of the things I, that I just uh, appreciated, I don't know, Bill, it's been about a year ago or whatever, Bill, Bill Powell, who... who been involved in mission work and church work and was an elder of this church and all this kind of stuff came forward one sunday and and said to me he said he, he said he, that's what he said he came forward and he said clay i need to get saved i was surprised bill was an elder of the church He was active he was teaching He was doing all that stuff but blessed you know what he said he said he said i've just been living a lie it says i know all the stuff but i've never really committed my life to jesus christ Settle it. That, that's what I'm saying to you today. If you struggle in that area, let me just give it to you real quick and we got we to move on, but let me just give it to you real quick. Uh, let, let me give you what I call the, the, the A method. Here's what you need to do. One, admit your need for salvation because you're sin. If you're not sure, well, I don't know. Settle it. Admit that you are a sinner. Admit your need for salvation because of your sin. You're the one that got you in this mess. You're the one that is sin, just like I did. That sin separates you from God. You, you, just, you admit it to God, to yourself obviously, and to God. Second, acknowledge God's provision through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Can't be good enough. Can't work for it. There aren't many paths. That it's only, that you have to acknowledge that God provided a way, one way, the way, and that way is Jesus Christ. You have to say, God, I can't save myself. I can't be good enough. I can't, that it's only through your finished work on the cross that I can receive salvation. And then third, just ask. Ask Jesus Christ to forgive you, cleanse you, and come to take charge of your life. That's what salvation and, and, and making Him your Lord is all about. Just ask. You don't. You won't find a, a God who's withholding something. You won't find a God that's resistant to your... He's longing for you to come into a relationship with Him. If you've been playing games or you've been messing around with it, you're uncertain about it, just settle it, okay? All right, real quickly, let me... Uh, let me give you the, the second um, idea here this morning. Settle your salvation, plug into his power, and then uh, third, or the, the second thing that God provides are God's promises. His provision, salvation, and power, right? See that? Salvation and power is provision. His promises, verse 4, look at it. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. For by these, for by these, by what? By what he has just shared. By his salvation and by his power, you can now receive these promises that God wants to give to you. Outside of them, outside of salvation, outside of God's power operating in your life, you can't have these promises. But here's the promises that he says that you and I can have. And what is the first one that he says? His nature, the very nature of God. Isn't that what he says? For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may be partakers of the divine nature. Now be careful with this one, okay? Everybody looking, looking up here? Everybody listening to me? Peter's not saying that you become a God. we to talked about that earlier, but Peter's not saying that, that by partaking of the nature of God that you become a God. That is a blasphemous doctrine promoted by Mormons among others, but the idea that you become a God or that you are a god, or no, that is not the case It is to be a partaker in the divine nature to to because you're in a relationship with him, his spirit comes to dwell within you that's the biblical doctrine that is taught right god's spirit comes to dwell within you to help you in decisions making and and judgments and and bringing peace into your life and all. Look at it. Uh, John, uh, I think it is John chapter uh, 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me since I live. You also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. It's this idea of this this unbreakable relationship that now exists where the very Spirit of God comes to dwell within me. And it's possible for me to experience his nature in my life. Not by my strength. Not by my power, not by my nature, that's for sure. You you know what I'm saying about my nature? My nature is corrupt. My nature is rotten. My nature is to oppose God and do the things against God. It is God's nature that comes to be a part of our lives when we have a relationship with him that makes it possible. Remember, what are we looking for? Peace, purpose, all that stuff in life. God provides salvation. God provides his power. And God gives you his promises, which include his nature, being, being, being a part of the very nature of God, to be a part of, of what God is doing in and through your life. You know, I don't seem very excited about that, but it's something really to be excited about, quite honestly. Because, obviously tied to it, not only his nature, but his freedom that goes with now having his nature be, be in you. Look at what he says. So that by them we become partakers of divine nature, having, what's that next word? Escaped. Freedom! Right? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. We live, I, I think I said this earlier, we live in a sin-soaked, sin-saturated, sin-corrupt world that is rapidly sliding uh, into moral decay. It is the world in which we exist and it is constantly bombarding us with do this, act that way, give in to that. You, you'd like that and all that kind of stuff. To know that his, that his, his divine nature is empowering me so that I don't, hear it. I don't have to give in to that lust that would come for me to do this or want that or, or act that way towards that person or whatever. It is the freedom that comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, I said it at the beginning. I'm not saying we're sinless, but we can sin less. We can, have, we, can, we can have power over the temptations, the lust, the sin that comes towards you in your life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody get that stuff coming at you? And Peter says, you can escape that. There's freedom in that. Have you ever noticed that you don't have to teach a child to be selfish or greedy or covet something? Or steal something from somebody. Have you noticed you don't have to teach a child to do that? You have to teach them to not do those things, right? I had this video I was going to show you, but I messed up uh, trying to send it to Tyler. I didn't realize it until this morning. But um, I had this video of one of my grandsons when, when Emery was a year and a half old. I uh, got this video where he has this bowl full of uh, maybe I'll show it to you next week. But he has this bowl full of M and M's, right? And I'm videoing him. I got the video going, and I'm and I'm and I'm asking him, uh, Emery, can can Poppy have some M and M's? Can Poppy have some M and M's? And at first, he's just like, just, you know, just ignoring me, right? But out of the corner of his eye, he can see I'm walking closer. Can Poppy have M&M's? Can Poppy have M&M's? And Cindy's saying, can Poppy have an m M&M? and M? And the closer I get, the more he's cramming those M&M's in. <laughs> the more he's cramming those and in. And finally, I get close enough, he just goes, no. <laughs> now, did anybody have to teach Emery how to do that? No. Now, listen, it's a cute video, but, it's, but, it, but it reveals... The nature that all of us... Now, Emery didn't know that he was being covetous. He didn't know he was being greedy. He, he, he doesn't know that stuff at that age in his life. But it's a revelation of how all of us are. It's the sin nature that is in us. And, and God, God sent his son to die. Not, listen, listen to me lady. Not just to set us free from the penalty of sin. That's what I hear people talk. Oh, yeah, I don't, I'm going to get to go to heaven. I don't have to go to hell. Yeah, you've been set free from the penalty of sin. But listen to me, dear friend. God has set you free from the power of sin. You don't have to give in. You don't have to I, Again, I know I know we're not going to get it right all the time. But we can escape this 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 pull. This pull towards ungodliness. We really can. So God uh, provides salvation and he provides the power that we need. It gives us his promises of his nature and what goes along with that, freedom to escape the temptations, the lusts of this world that come our way. Next week, we're going to look at what what our responsibilities are. We read it this morning. You saw that list in there. We read about our responsibilities and how, how we meet God to experience what God wants for us. God wants so much for your life, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you're here and you're 11 or 81 or anywhere in, but God wants so much for your life if you could just understand that. He provided everything you and I need the question really becomes are we going to meet him and experience what he has for us if you have uncertainty about your salvation settle it if you want to experience God's power in your life you have to you have to tap into it You you have to put yourself in place for God's power
0: Well, that's certainly plenty to chew on, isn't it? Pastor Clay will have more to say about all of this next week, but what a blessing to know that God provides everything we need for the life He wants us to have. Our salvation was purchased by Jesus Christ's death on the cross. We can't earn it. We certainly don't deserve it. That's why they call it grace. And as Pastor Clay explained, God provides His power that allows us to live the life God wants us to have. Without this power, we would fail miserably. But with God's power, we can live victoriously, no matter what comes our way. Our lives will never be perfect in this world, but praise God for what He provides and what He desires for us to have. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, discovering how to really live in the promises of God.
1: My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety.
0: Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis.
1: What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book
0: explores. I Get It is available online and electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore.
1: You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here Uh entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens. They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get.
0: Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross-Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships, and instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross-Culture Church.
1: I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. I want you to the cross I want you
0: to the cross. cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.